Welcome to Sunday Morning at Faith Assembly, featuring the ministry of Senior Pastor Phil Goss. We're glad you joined us. Well, good morning. I hope you're doing well. If you're new with us, special shout out to you. And if you've been a part of the Faith family for some time, as always, we are excited that you joined us this weekend. Well, how many of you had a good Thanksgiving, right? Uh, I, I can tell. You know, okay, no, we won't go there. Uh, But hey, Thanksgiving is good because you got good food, right? You have family, you have friends as well. Uh, I know some people in this place do the dishes, right? Like if that's your responsibility, the dishes, like give me the head nod right now. I'm seeing you out there, yep. Uh, But here's the thing, I'm, I'm not too talented when it comes to cooking. My wife, it was her first year ever doing a turkey, and she did phenomenal. We've always gone to the parents' house or whatnot, and uh, she did amazing. So I was responsible in front of the dishes, and this is my uh, working theory when it comes to dishes. Uh, I like to pack my dishwasher to the top, the complete brim. Anybody with me, right? Like you scrub a little bit, but you make sure that thing in that dishwasher, you can't lay a plate in there anymore. A fork doesn't fit, right? That's how I like to do dishes. But then what happens, you run the dishwashing cycle. You wait there for an hour, hour and a half, dishes, they're hot, they're coming out of the dishwasher, and then you pick up the dish. Outside it looks great, but inside there's that one spot that didn't get washed. Talk about a pet peeve. Anybody can relate with that? Maybe it's not even on Thanksgiving. Maybe it's just a normal day, a normal uh, time doing the dishes. Today, I want to talk to you about how to cultivate a genuine relationship with God. We're going to be looking in Luke chapter 11, where Jesus actually addresses some of these individuals as known as Pharisees, and he illustrates their life, their metaphor, that of a dish that's clean on the outside, but in the inside, it's dirty. Now, here at Faith Assembly, we believe this, that a relationship with Jesus begins when you declare him as Lord. Romans 10, 9 through 10 says this, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Paul continues on in verse 10, he says this, for it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. So we believe in this profession of faith that sets you apart. But we believe also that you begin this process of what we call on the theological side, this process of sanctification. That you have to pour into that relationship to reap the greatest benefits of that relationship. Let's just illustrate this for a, a practical example. If you're married with your spouse, right? It doesn't, your, your marriage grows better throughout time, hopefully. And uh, that, that day when you, you stand at the altar and, and that minister marries you or whatever way, maybe you got married in Vegas, like let's go through the motorcycle drive-through, whatever the case might be, it's, it's you are at that moment and you have to, you're committing your vows to work on your relationship if you want a good and healthy relationship to continue to move forward, right? It's work. If you're a parent, right? You can understand it's not just one of those moments where you say, hey kid, here's the controller or go outside and play and I'll feed you. No, if you want to be a good parent, you spend time, you teach, you get on their level, you look eyeball to eyeball and you walk your children through the steps. That's good parenting. Or maybe if you have a friend and 
you wanna be a good friend, you work with your friends through trials, tribulations, when maybe there's an offense made, you don't just give up on that friendship, but you work to reconcile that friendship. Relationships take work. Our relationship with God takes effort. If we want God to move in our lives in ways we can't even imagine, can't even fathom, if we want the Holy Spirit to use us in a way that we are so excited, that we are so just amazed at His work and the people that He leads us to minister to, then we have to put work into that relationship. We can't just be polished on the outside but dirty on the inside. So today we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 11 where uh, these Pharisees, these individuals who are set apart, they, there was this Roman Greek uh, influence and they didn't want anything to do with that, but they also didn't want anything to do with their own people. They thought of themselves as better than. They thought of themselves as of a different class. Approximately there's 6,000 some Pharisees and when they walked through town they were individuals that people almost uh, 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 were fascinated by. They were captivated by them. But Jesus being Jesus he sits down with dinner he sits down with dinner. Now in Jewish culture, there's two primary meals during the day. There's the, the lunch portion and there's the dinner feast. And Jesus is teaching. And he gets invited over to dinner to these Pharisees' house. And like Jesus, they came in with a different plan. They had a different dinner plan. And Jesus abruptly changes that dinner plan to communicate a different word and a different message. And it was almost like the Pharisees had to have the last word but really, Jesus had the last word. See, in Jesus' final year of his life, a lot of times he spent challenging what I like to call the establishment. See, the establishment was being overrun with this inundated, ritualistic, overzealous that you have to live by this law or you won't have a relationship with God at all. And Jesus comes in to dispute that. He says, it's not about law, it's not about rules, it's not about following the yeses and the noes, but it's out of a genuine, authentic relationship. So Jesus, a lot of us, when we look at his life in the Gospels, we, we look at him as this man of great love, of good deeds. But there's also this moment where Jesus praises those who listen to truth, but he also condemns those who pervert the truth. So to this morning, I want to talk to you about how to cultivate a genuine relationship with God by inversing the way that the Pharisees lived out their lives. Number one for us this morning is this, we need to value authenticity, value authenticity. Now, I want you to take your notes out. We believe if you read, write, and recite, you're better to retain what we talk about, and you can leave here better than the way we came in. We believe in this process. We believe in growing in God in our daily walk. Value authenticity. Now, it's important. Authenticity isn't how much you reveal. It's about being real. I think a lot of times we get confused with this idea of authenticity that if I overshare my life's turmoils and troubles with my neighbors, then man, I'm being genuine, I'm being authentic. That's not authenticity. Authenticity is acknowledging every area of your life, having a self-awareness. Look at what Jesus says to these Pharisees over dinner. While Jesus was speaking, a Pharisee asked him to dine with him. So Jesus is teaching. He's going through the town. He's, he's alarming these religious establishment. And so he went in and he reclined at the table. The Pharisee was astonished to see that he did not first wash 
before dinner. Now, if you're a child in here, I am giving you the perfect ammunition. If mom and dad tells you to go wash your hands, right here, Jesus didn't wash his hands. Now, it's also a shameless plug. Your kids should be over in our kid ministry because it's an amazing program. So parents, it, you're like you're doing yourself some harm right now, right? So Jesus doesn't wash before dinner. Oh no, especially now, right? Didn't wash his hands. But this is what Jesus is actually alluding to. This Pharisee was so irritated, so mad that Jesus didn't wash. Basically, Jesus ignored this man-made tradition. See, it, was, it comes to pass in the third century where we find this in the Manesh, where it's this traditional Jewish document of all these rules, rights that Jewish individuals would have. See, in the Old Testament, it was never this, hey, go wash your hands before dinner kind of mentality. The Pharisees did that. They implemented that because of what was happening. They, they in culture, they viewed themselves as better than people. So when they were in the crowds, when they were in the towns, they wanted to step away from people and say, hey, those people are defiled. They're impure. They're not as good as me. So I'm going to wash my hands to show everybody how great I am. That was the Pharisees' mindset. But Jesus is like, no, that's not what it's about. It's a man-made thing. You're being hypocritical. You should be an expert in the law, you Pharisee, you scribe, you lawyer. But yet Jesus comes back and is like, I'm not washing before dinner, but I'll recline with you and we'll eat. Let's talk. See, the, the Pharisees, they loved symbolism. Jesus was all about authenticity. See, it's about coming into the church and saying, church isn't for church people. Church isn't for unchurched people. Church is for broken people in need of a savior. That's what church is. That's why we meet. That's why we gather to reflect. And we talked about humility last week to say we serve a God and that God is bigger. He's more powerful. We exalt him and he humbled himself to the lowest point, died on the cross through his son Jesus for each and every one of us. See, we're authentic when we come in and say, God, I got this issue going on in my life. God, I need help in my marriage. God, I'm struggling right now. See, that's when we have this, this real moment when God says, hey, you're, you're, you're on your knees. You're in desperate need of a savior. I'm here. Authenticity. See, it's not about just acknowledging and looking about how much turmoil we have, but it's about being authentic and looking at the areas of our life that we need God to move in such an amazing way. In verse 38, it says, the Pharisee was astonished that he did not first wash before dinner. Out of all things, he was frustrated with Jesus about. See, when we follow Jesus, it doesn't matter how much religious rituals we practice if we're not relationally authentic. That's what it's about. That's why uh, I, I celebrate, and many of you do as well. We have our mid Wednesday night midweek service. I invite you to come out. To me, I believe it's the best night of the week. Why? Because it's almost resetting every week. All right, we're giving moments for prayer. We're giving moments for reflection. We're praying for our community, our world, because we're authentically taking a self-evaluation of our lives. See, we're not falling in love in symbols. We're not falling in love in the do's and don'ts, but we're saying, hey, you know what? I need to evaluate daily what's going on. Am I being my authentic self before my Lord and my Savior? Number two for us when it comes to cultivating a relationship with God is this. We need to focus internally. Focus internally. Now, you might be like, hey, Pastor Blake, that's kind of contrary to the gospel, right? We're supposed to be about loving God, loving people. But first, you can't love someone correctly if your heart isn't in the right position. 
It's this beginning of focusing eternal, internally on ourselves. Luke eleven thirty nine 39 says this, And the Lord said to him, Now you Pharisees, cleanse the outside of the cup, or some translations say platter, and of the dish. But on the inside, you are full of greed and wickedness. See, Jesus is looking at it and said, you might be clean, you might look all the part, the outside might be spectacular, but where do you eat? Where does the food touch? Inside the dish. I don't know about you, but if you've ever pulled anything out of the dishwasher and there's still food caked on it, you're like, I'm putting that thing back in or you're scrubbing it twice as hard. You don't want that. See, for a, a lot of us, we, we pay a lot of attention to what's happening externally and what's on the outside that we forget to review what's actually taking place on the inside. See, the Pharisee, he's heated at this point that Jesus, his guests, would come into his house and not wash his hands before they ate. See, as they were offended, as they were kind of taken back of what Jesus, Jesus was offended by their superficiality. Jesus was offended by them looking so great on the outside, but cherishing sin on the inside. The Pharisees were all about external religion and symbols, but on the inside, they valued their sin in their own selfish ways. So I want you to capture this. What fills up in your heart will also spill out from your heart. See, no matter what you are going through in life, if your heart isn't in the right position where you're focusing in turn, then you can't take care of your neighbor next to you. You can't take care of your spouse, your kid. It bleeds out. It overfills, it spills out. So it's always important every day we wake up, every day we evaluate, we say, hey God, what do you need to reveal to me in my heart, in my life, in my mind, in my soul to say, hey, I need to evaluate what's taking place internally before I can focus on what's happening externally. Because when things do come to us, when life does become challenging, we don't have a terrible attitude that we carry out through the whole day. We're not discouraged when something happens throughout the day because we're prepped in our heart. So the question I have for you this morning is what do you need to recalibrate? What do you need to focus on internally so you can live your best life externally so people can be aware of who you follow, who leads in your life? Number three, when it comes to cultivating a genuine relationship with the Lord, we, one, we value authenticity. Two, we also uh, focus internally. And three, we embrace life's complexity. We embrace life's complexities. See, these Pharisees were so simplistic in their thinking. They, they fundamentally thought, if you do X, then the result will be Y. How many of you know, though, life isn't simple? Life is challenging. There's death, there's disease, there's every variant of COVID-19. There's their hangups, there's, there's troubles, there's obstacles that you have to navigate and deal with. There's, there's things that just glitch up. There's, there's straightaway children. Life is very complex. See, the, the Pharisees' mindset was if they can orchestrate and put together their formula, then they can have a relationship with God. See, that, that's, that's foolishness. In fact, we'll even see Jesus calls them a fool for thinking that it's that easy. You know, there's that old saying that, you know, you, you never know how well you'll, maybe I'm probably going to misquote it right now, but you, it, it doesn't really matter until you get hit in the face, how you're going to respond. 
I mean, we got hit in the face if you're in Ohio State yesterday. I'm still mourning, right? Like, that was rough. See, we embrace life's complexity in verses 11 through 40 and 41. Jesus goes, you fools, harsh language. Did not he made the outside make the inside also? But give as alms those things that are within and behold, everything is clean for you. And in other words, if you would give to the needy, those who are in less stature and in less position, If you give, then that will help clean the bowl. See, the Pharisees are so wrapped up in their religious system, so wrapped up in living this religiosity kind of lifestyle. And Jesus is saying, it's not about that. See, what happens when we embrace life's complexity is this is what we need to do. When you're embracing it, you're also leaning into it biblically. So whenever you do get hit in the face with something, whenever life knocks you down, what's your response? Okay, what's scripture say? How do I navigate my, 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 my relationships? How do I navigate uh, my attitude? How do I navigate depression, anxiety? What scripture say? So a lot of times I think we get wrapped up and it, it, it comes to those moments where we want to give up. It's easy to give up. See, the, the fool say, hey, if you do this formula, then you'll be okay. Jesus is saying, no, you need to live in, lean in to biblically understand how you're going to respond when life gets challenging. When I think about this, I think about history. Uh, I, I believe I'm a huge student of history because you learn from the past. In my life, I've learned from the past. I'm sure in your life, you've learned from the past. There's this man by the name of Martin Luther. He's this great church reformer. Now, if you know anything about Martin Luther, he's a fascinating individual. I kind of geek out, so we're going to geek out a little bit right now at this moment. Martin Luther, he brought church to the common folk, but it was very in this system that didn't allow common people to really understand and have a personal relationship with God. In fact, it was always these these, uh, mediators, these priests that would, you'd have to go to a priest to then become and have a relationship with God. So Martin Luther always was plighted with, I can never have a relationship with God. I'm not good enough. Am I saved? Am I having a relationship? So he always was focusing and struggling with that. It was probably part of his memoirs that you read about. He actually says this in one point, because here I stand, I can do no other, God help me, amen. So then he is reading, he's studying, has this uh, God moment, lightning comes around, he says, okay, I'm going to go in the monastery, I'm going to learn, I'm going to study. And in Romans 1.17, he comes to this understanding, the just live by faith, and he couldn't get past that verse. Because you see, what was happening in the church, in the system, in the complexity of life, he wasn't fitting in with the establishment. So maybe you know the story. He goes and he nails the 95 Thesis to the wall. And here's the thing. He wrote it all in Latin because Latin was considered the church's language and common people couldn't speak Latin. So he did what he thought was right. He was like, okay, if you want to navigate something in church history, then what you need to do is you need to uh, uh, have a scholarly debate. So he goes and he has this scholarly debate. Little did he know he'd become the black sheet of the whole uh, uh, the establishment, but he brought a different picture. See, what happened in Martin Luther is when the church wanted to throw him out, he leaned into what the scripture says biblically. 
You might be in this place right now, wanting to give up. Life might be complex. I wanna encourage you, embrace the complexity, lean into God's word, biblically apply it to your life. Psalms 119, 105 through 107 says this, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I have sworn an oath and confirmed it to keep your righteous rules. I am severely afflicted. Give me life, O Lord, according to your word. Throughout many Psalms, there's turmoil, there's transgressions, yet they continue to plead with God. I wanna encourage you, no matter what you're going through, plead with God, lean in biblically to life's complexities. Number four for us today when it comes to a developing and cultivating a genuine relationship with God is this, build around the great commandment. Build around the great commandment. In Luke 11, verse 42, Jesus says this, this is the first woe he speaks to the Pharisees. He says, but woe to you Pharisees. See, this woe is this posture of sorrowfulness on this group. For you tithe mint and rue and every herb. This is the Old Testament reference that Jesus is making to them, that they're giving a tenth of their produce. And yet you neglect justice and the love of God. These ought to have done without neglecting others. See, the Pharisees fell in love with the secondary. They missed the priority. Loving God, loving people. They were busy celebrating themselves, giving themselves their records. Look at our ties. Look how we look. Look at our garb. Look at our robes. If they're missing loving God, loving people, the greatest command, maybe you're new with us or maybe church is kind of a new thing for you, is very simply build everything around it. In Matthew chapter 22, verses 36 and 40, Jesus again is having a moment with Pharisees and he responds to them in this way. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Pharisee said that. And he said to him, you shall love your Lord, your God, with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments, all the law and prophets are, are all of the law and the prophets. See, and Jesus is actually taking this word back from Deuteronomy and Moses. When Moses gives the people of Israel the law, it's love God, love people. That's what it's about. That's what it's always been about. These Pharisees, they're so consumed with hypocrisy, they're missing what's actually taking place. They're not building around the great commandment. They're building around secondary issues of life. In our relationship with God, it's not about our, our, our do's and don'ts and our checklist. It's about how well am I loving God? How well am I loving people? You can come to church 52 Sundays of the year, but if you treat your coworkers terribly, then you're missing it. And that's, that's hard for us to palate. Well, I pray every day, I, 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 but that's, that's what Jesus is talking about. He's addressing the, the heart issues, the primary issue. That's why coming up, I want to encourage you. We believe and we value people so much here at Faith. We're having a leaders uh, luncheon next week for those interested in leading groups. We want to get people involved in groups. We want to build relationships because you matter. We matter. People matter. We want to be about loving God, loving people, living life together. 
So when we come kicking off groups in January, I want to encourage you, what group do you need to get involved in? Who do you need to lead out with? Who do you need to join and lock arms together and say, I'm battling some things, that's why we have groups. Or maybe you just need to have some connectivity because you know life can be challenging outside of these walls. Get connected, stay connected. Love God, love people. Build your life around the great commandment. And then number five for us today when it comes to developing and cultivating a genuine relationship with God is we need to evaluate our motives. See, when your motive is correct, criticism won't matter. When your motive is correct, criticism won't matter. I've been in this season, this posture, looking at this, it's kind of been a statement in my heart. If my motive is right, then no matter what anybody says about me, will not matter. See, so much of scripture is built around this simple understanding that it's not about us, but it's about an evaluation of our heart. Luke 11, verses 43 and 44, Jesus continues and he says, woe to you, Pharisee. Again, he's feeling sorry for him. For you love the best seat in the synagogues and the greetings in the marketplace. They love the high fives. They love being recognized. They, they were living in this religion, this mentality that, hey, if I look this part, if I, if I dress this part, I'm acknowledged in this part. Yeah, I'm feeling good. That's what these Pharisees were looking at, discussing and evaluating their life. And then verse 44 says, Woe to you, Jesus says again, for you are like unmarked graves and people walk over them without knowing it. Now, this is where it really gets hostile here. Because in Jewish culture, what Jesus is addressing here is if any Jewish individual, man, woman, child, touched something that was considered dead, they were instantly considered unclean. They would have to go through a ritualistic process to then be made clean. Jesus is calling the most religious people ever that they are dirty, that they're actually leading people the wrong way, ultimately marking their lives for an eternity that's not with God. Jesus is doing this in someone else's house. He's pretty strong. He's pretty pretty blatant about what their motive is. Um, as we get ready to close and wrap up, I uh, read this thing when COVID began early in 2020 on social media. I know social media, it's the best, right? Uh, really gives you a lot of clarity in life. Sarcasm, I'm a sarcastic kind of guy. Three things came up. Uh, it says you, you have three options during this COVID season. You can be a hunk, you can be a chunk, or you can be a drunk. Well, obviously a third option isn't really my, my cup of tea uh, for obvious reasons. So it was hunk or a chunk. And I was like, well, I can get pretty chunky. You know, like you're sitting down. This is when COVID just hit where everything shut down. We closed offices. We didn't know what to do. People didn't know what to do. So uh, I was like, I guess I'll try to go to the gym. Like I, we're, at this point, we're living in a 600 square foot home. You've heard me talk about it before. Like I, I was kind of going stir crazy. I was like, well, I guess I can go like run on the treadmill. So I'm like, you know what? My wife, she's going to like me because I'm going to be a hunk for her. 
So I'm there for the first month, man. I'm like hitting it hard. And I'm like, old man sore at this point. I didn't have what I did back in the early 20s in my life. And, and I'm like, after one month, I'm like, oh, man, like, Brittany hasn't said anything. Like, look at these calf muscles, girl. You know, like, that's where I was at. And uh, she didn't say anything. And I went through this, like, couple week, like, stretch. Where I'm like, I'm done with the gym. It's not fun. Like, who wants to put yourself through agony and waking up and sweating and working and feeling all sorts of pain in your body that you didn't know existed? And so when my wife, I was thinking, okay, if I, if I work on this portion of my life, she's going to love me even more. Like ultimately that was deep down in my life. That was the motive of going to the gym. Like I want to look good to impress my wife. And I realized that motivation didn't last very long. It lasted about a month. Because, you know, ultimately my wife loved me no matter how much I went to the gym, what I came home and looked like, how I acted. She loved me for me. But when I noticed when I started taking those couple weeks out after that grueling one month, like my, my mental state wasn't as clear. I wasn't feeling as physically refreshed. Uh, I, I uh, wasn't maybe popping with as much energy as I felt. And so I had to come to this understanding that if I wanted to physically better myself, then I had to come to my own motivation of what was going to keep me going. See, in many ways in our relationship with the Lord is this. If you're coming to church because of a friend, because of a family member, and you want to, quote unquote, have a relationship with the Lord because of them, it's not going to last very long. It might be the season. It might start you. But at some point, you have to grab it for yourself and say, I want to cultivate. I want to develop. I want to grow in a relationship with the Lord daily, in and out. I want to work. I want to pray. I want to come to church. I want to make it a commitment. I'm big into this. Get your kids to church. We are now in a season and in a moment in American history where people, where students and, and children are needing to hear the word of God. And it's a consistency on the parent side. It's a consistency to saying, I'm going to make it a value of mine. Because when you start doing that, you're showing, you're putting in the work. And then you're, you're leading the way, you're, you're opening the pathway to say, hey, you know what? They're going to own that relationship for themselves. But as a parent, it's my responsibility to say, I'm going to lead you there. See, a lot of times in our, in our motivation, we have to keep coming back to say, hey, what, what am I really motivated about here? Do I, do I want to have a genuine relationship with God? So that's what Jesus, when he's addressing these Pharisees, it says you can have all the exterior, you can have all these different items swirling around, but it's really what, what's taking place in your heart and in your mind. So I'm a big believer in you can learn two ways. You can learn the right way of how to do something. You can also learn through the wrong way of doing something. So the Pharisees, they teach us so much on what it means to have a genuine relationship with the Lord. Today, my hope, my prayer for you is this, that you continue to look at yourself authentically, focus internally, embrace life's complexities, build around the great commandment, and then ultimately continue to evaluate your motivation because it's your motivations that's going to move you forward in your relationship with the Lord. So we're in a closed service right now and we believe here at Faith that there's always a response anytime we talk about the gospel of, hey God, what do you want to place in my life? What do you want to speak to me 
right now in this moment. So we're gonna sing a song and I'm gonna, when we stand in just a moment, I'll invite the prayer team forward. And we, we value prayer so much here because we believe prayer changes. If we don't pray as a church, then we're just a normal organization, a country club. Prayer is what sets us apart. So we're gonna give you an opportunity to come back and if you need prayer in any capacity, if it's relational, financial, if it's a healing, whatever the case might be, we have people that want to stand with you. Maybe you're making a response and saying, hey, I want to start a relationship with Jesus. And we have someone that wants to pray with you. See, ultimately, here is our hope for you right now. Number one is that you start a relationship with Jesus. And number two, that you evaluate that relationship daily. Where are you at? How are you cultivating that relationship with God? So I'm going to ask you everywhere in this room, if you'll go ahead and stand with me. We're going to sing a psalm and invite our prayer team forward. And then I'll come back up and we'll dismiss. But take this time and say, God, how do you need to speak to me? Church, let's sing. Thank you for joining us for today's service. If you would like to talk with someone about what you've heard, please visit our website at faith.ag or call us at 239-543-2700. If you're in the Fort Myers area and don't already have a church home, you're invited to join us for Sunday morning at 815 and 1045 a.m. Faith Assembly is located at 7101 Bayshore Road. Join us again next week for Sunday Morning. Faith Assembly Sunday Morning is a production of Faith Assembly Media Tech, North Fort Myers, Florida.